You are listening to Love and Loss Podcast, a podcast where we talk about pregnancy and infant loss. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash love and loss podcast. Growing up in a family that had a passion for writing and drawing, Kristen was influenced by generation after generation of writers and artists. She shared these passions since childhood, but did not self-publish her book, Rearranged, until her late 20s. She was moved to share her work after going through loss, grief, and healing. In writing, she experienced light after loss. Her book, Rearranged, encompasses her journey to healing and was the winner from the Indies Today 2022 Best Poetry Award. Her second book, I Love You From Heaven, is a children's book about angel babies and children in heaven. When not writing, Kirsten can be found spending time with her husband and two children. She is active in the pursuit to find wholeness and soaking up as much family time as she can, whether that be at their family cabins or snuggled up with a blanket and a good book at home with her kids. She believes in sharing hope for others who may be struggling and has a captivating vulnerability to Welcome to another episode of the Love and Loss Podcast. Today we are joined by Kirsten Hoffensberger. Welcome, Kirsten. Thank you. It's great to meet you, Joy. Tell us, where are you dialing in from? I am actually in Wisconsin, um, the United States. Okay, perfect. Your accent is quite telling, isn't it? That you're calling from Wisconsin. <laughs> Just ask me to say boat. <laughs> boat, boat. We say our O's very long. Oh, yeah, you're almost Canadian. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. I love it. Um, okay, so Kirsten and I have connected over crazy last names. And unfortunately, we are also connected in um, that we're lost, lost moms. Um, so before we start talking about your story, Kirsten, uh, tell me your mom's inspiration or a mom who inspires you. Oh, I'm so excited for this. So um, I actually have three, but I'm going to just go fast on them so you don't get stuck in my world. <laughs> um, so my first one is my own mother. Um, she's my mom's inspiration because she's just been the best mom you could ever expect, but mostly for her giving and selfless heart. So she um, did, grew up in the area and then moved here when she met my dad and kind of channeled her whole life into being there for our family because that was her little community that she built here. So we grew up with a mom who became our best friend's mom, you know, figure, and she'd have these big talks with everyone and she cares for everybody fiercely. Um, we just grew up knowing that no matter what we were going through, we could go to my mom. And she just was one of those people that you hear about in movies. Um, I always mm -hmm. laugh because her about being this mom who is obsessed with doing laundry. And I realized when I was thinking of this question that she treats everyone in her life like a load of laundry. She smooths <laughs> <laughs> she um, meticulously folds and gets everyone to know that they are cared for with the best of care. And she is just um, someone that can fix any issue, any stain, any, anything you have going on in your life. Um, that is a beautiful other... metaphor. That is so sweet. <laughs> you know, she's going to be so mad that I teased her about laundry, um, you know, on the internet, but it's true. <laughs> so um, she actually has a mom right now who is going through dementia. And so I'm watching her be a daughter and a mom. And so mm. um, it's just brought out a whole different relationship for us too. So the last, you know, several years have been trying and wonderful and beautiful and profound in so many different ways, but just in general, she's a caregiver um, at heart. And so I have so much to learn from her and I see it being passed down to my own daughter. So it's very, mm. very, 
Um, my other two mom inspirations are actually moms who have gone through loss of pregnancy and children. So um, Ellen and Rachel are very dear to me and they are moms that when I was going through it, I actually didn't realize to the extent of what they had gone through. And it helped me realize that you can kind of pull yourself out of the grief, you know, exist with it, but find a way to kind of move forward with your life and memorialize the children that you lose, but also um, fully go on to loving other children if you're blessed to have them. And um, otherwise just picking yourself and putting the pieces back together. Mm, so they are Wow. Well said. Yeah. You, you try and be there for your friends. And then if it happens to you, you realize it's much worse than you ever imagined. Yeah. Oh, geez. And what were their names? Um, Ellen and Rachel. And then my mom Ellen is Jane. Okay. Ellen, Rachel, and Jane. Okay. You're the first person to mention three and I'm so glad you did. Because no, I'm serious. We need to know, we need to lift up all the strong, powerful women in the world. And that goes for my mom'spiration, which is Lorelai Gilmore. <laughs> so, she might be fictional, but she's amazing. Um, so we need to lift up, lift up all the amazing moms in the world. Um, okay, so now that we know who inspires you, I want to hear your story. Um, so where does it begin? So um, I met my husband when we were in grade school and old souls, I guess you could say, well, we ended up um, getting married when I was 22 and he was 24. And um, we experienced our first pregnancy with a miscarriage a couple years after being married. And I was almost seven weeks along um, and didn't really know at the time, you know, what could have caused it. Still don't really know. I mean, obviously, but um, I found out five months later that I have polycystic ovary syndrome. And so it was kind of a peak for me with my depression and not really knowing where I was going to go from there. Um, we were the first of a lot of our friends to be trying for kids. And so mm. have anyone in my circle that had gone through it? Um, my mom did not. And so I just kind of felt stuck um, and a lot of doubts with if I was ever going to be a parent. Um, we went through 13 months of infertility after losing our baby. And can we pause real quick? What, yeah. what was your baby's name? Did you give it a name? We did. So at first we did not. It actually took a few years for us to name the baby finally. So um, for a long time, we just called it Baby Happy because our last name is Hopfinsberger. And then um, I went to counseling and and um, like went on medication and kind of helped with my depression. And after doing all of that, I kind of realized, okay, I had a gut feeling. My husband had a gut feeling that we were going to be having a son. And so we just decided to pick a boy name. And so we named him Theodore Isaac. Um, and so we actually referred him as Theo in our house and my kids know about him. And what a cutie. <laughs> what a cutie. I love it. Theo is like, it's such a good name because you can, it's so fitting for all stages of humanity, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah, it's so sweet. Theodore Isaac. I love yeah. it. Okay. So um carrying on. So you said you lost Theodore at seven weeks pregnant and no one had gone through it. And then you're on this ride of infertility. Yeah. Okay. So start from there and, and then and then what happened? So um I don't, I mean, I don't know how many of your listeners have gone through infertility, so it's kind of a crazy ride anyways. For me, it was one, finding out that there was something quote unquote wrong with my body to find out I had PCOS. Um, 
But when I'm thinking back on that now, I just, I hate that, right? Like things are normal or not normal. I don't like that. So for me, it just meant an obstacle to kind of try to overcome to be able to get pregnant again. If, if the doctors and everyone thought that I could, which they did, they were very hopeful. Um, again, I don't know how personal you get with this, but like they, you know, test your husband to see if they have issues with fertility. They, we had to get, I had to get tested. You know, they do a lot of blood work, um, kind of checking your hormones and things like that. So I went through, you know, the miscarriage where they drew blood. I think it was weekly until I was under zero for my HCG. Um, so that was a lot of needles <laughs> and then trying to get pregnant. I, I actually didn't ovulate on my own. So, mm. um, having to get progesterone levels tested almost every couple of weeks to see if one, if they were going up, if I would have gotten pregnant and two, if they were, you know, going up to signal that I ovulated, if the medication that they put me on actually helped induce that because I wouldn't get menstruation or anything. Um, and so it was a weird time because I felt, you know, I'm a pretty faithful person and a lot of people in my life are. So I felt this weird overlay of judgment that I was, you know, not just getting pregnant on an accident or on my own. I had to kind of go through doctors to be able to have it happen for me. Um, so that was very isolating. And then also that weird, you know, pick it up buttercup, like you can get over the miscarriage, you know, so I had all these things going on. We stood up in two weddings, you know, within a month or two after our miscarriage. And that is all the wild to me that you were that, yeah. <laughs> like you were I, in two weddings and literally gosh, three months after my miscarriage, I couldn't even go to a wedding as an attendee and you were standing in them. I am in awe. It was, it was just weird. I, I always say to everyone, like, you know, one of the poems in my book, um, that I wrote, like has like a whole thing about like putting a mask, right? Like that you're like masking to show that you are picking yourself up and you're healing and people think you're doing really well. Right. Cause I, I kind of had to, we were thrown into this weird time of extreme grief, um, no one quite understanding like in an empathetic way what that was for us or what that entailed and then really out of support and love for our loved ones that were getting married like we wanted to be happy for them like we wished we could have just kind of taken that grief and let it go and then been not lying about how we were feeling and yeah. just totally what we were doing right but like a week after my miscarriage I was in a bachelorette party like having oh. to like rally right like it was not oh. easy but but not scary for what we were going through. Um, and we actually closed on our house the night before I started bleeding um, or like oh put an off. So when I was in the ER with the bleeding, got a phone call from our landlord, like, hey, you know, that house that you love, that you were picturing all the kid rooms and stuff in, um, you got the accepted offer on it. Well, then we are in the ER waiting to find out if I have a miscarriage. You know, it's like everything kind of happened all at once, which I think when it rains, it pours, it does. Mm. But we have our emotions of like so much excitement for a different chapter starting for us, you know, no longer renting, owning a house. And then like, oh my gosh, we thought we were going to be carrying this on with a family and we might not be, you know, we didn't know at first at the hospital till I got home later and started actually miscarrying like full blown. So yeah, so many, so many things, which is life. It's, I feel like we can never summarize it. <laughs> it is life. It is life. I think. Yeah. Well, and it seems like for you, you had this horrible loss and then it, it felt like continuous loss maybe because you're like, what is happening to my body? Like it's not doing yeah. what it's supposed to do. And then you have this PCOS diagnosis and then 
progesterone and all these things like that is just a constant whirlwind of emotions yeah if I'm being honest I go back and forth now like I do think to an extent I had a type of um like PTSD from going through everything because it was just so isolating and such a traumatic thing to go through but sometimes when I think back on it you know where I am now in my life as a parent as someone that tries to speak out on on these topics that can be tabooed I often find like the the infertility part was so, so isolating. It seems like people just did not know how to like navigate that or, or just the insensitive comments, right? Like when are you not getting any younger, you know, when are you having kids? Like, like things like that, right? Like, or, oh, just be glad you don't have kids yet. You know, if they'd be complaining about a kid, you know, just think, and I don't think truly because I just put a game face on, I truly don't think that people meant it to be mean. I think they were trying to like throw you a bone, like you're lucky you're in your early twenties and like, <laughs> you don't have to worry about this yet. Right. But at the time I was grieving so deeply um, because I was not the person to dream of my wedding day. I knew when I met my husband as, as a young person and then into our teens and twenties that like, he was my person, but I did not dream up this wedding day. I always said, mm -hmm. like, put me in a wedding dress. They're all white. They're all pretty. Like, it's fine. I dreamt of being a mom. And so when that was taken and we didn't really have answers or like a way to navigate that grief, it just felt like my identity was taken. Like I lost that whole bubble of happiness. Like, I think I truly went into the world before that, like with this blissful mindset that everything's great. Life is mm -hmm. great happen to people who pick up positive energy, you know, like, and, um, I went through that and it was like, holy cow, I think this was, this like knocked me out. Like I didn't know how to come out of it because I just had never experienced that before. So. That's oh, terrible. So, so terrible. Okay. So how long of the infertility period, um, post miscarriage, how long was that? That was 13 months for me. So. Oh gosh like a year of, um, at least with my clinic that I was at when they did like a year's worth of like monitoring to see if I would get periods or like if I got, if I conceived again, you know, it was kind of like this constant take an ovulation test, you know, pee on a stick for that, pee on a stick for a pregnancy test. If it's not positive, you know, take another one all day. And if it's negative, then we can start the medication to get a period and try to induce a new cycle. And, you know, it's all this stuff. And so, um, it was very serious to not, accidentally be pregnant and then take this medication to get a period because that could obviously cause like a miscarriage it causes oh you to shed my your gosh. which with pcos if you don't shed your lining often enough you can build up like precancerous you know like there's like things right so it's like a lot of things to worry about which i'm a worrier anyways but mm -hmm. um months of like constantly having to track things and the last month that I got pregnant, they did like an ultrasound to try to see if my follicles were enlarging with the medication because I kept, I think for several consecutive months, it showed in blood work that I was in fact ovulating, but then I wouldn't get pregnant. And so I think they were trying to see like, okay, are they like missing their window for fertility? Is it, you know, what's going on here? And I had thought that I ovulated already that month because they always kind of say, you know, about two weeks into your cycle, well, I would have like 40 day cycles. So it turned out because I miscarried after having sex the first time, I thought, okay, once we have our window, I don't want to be intimate again, because what if we would miscarry early on again? No, I'm not saying that like that caused a miscarriage, but when you're like traumatized, like in my head, don't do anything to rattle the baby out. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it was just this consuming thought. Well, it turns out when I went for that 
ultrasound to see if there was any implantation or anything going on. My, my follicles actually had enlarged, which indicated ovulation. And oh. so I, at the time I had been getting the window wrong. I actually ovulated like the last 14 days of my cycle um, versus like the first two weeks. And so it was like mind blowing. So then of course we timed everything out and that's when I got pregnant with my daughter. But that appointment that I went to, they had kind of told me like this month is our last month working with you here. Like if, if we don't have means to kind of be able to get you pregnant or you don't conceive on your own through this, then we have to kind of send you to a different place to get some more in-depth things. And so we just got, I say luck, right? This is like, like the magic of the sperm and the egg meeting. <laughs> but isn't it wild to say luck? when you've already lost a baby and had 13 months of infertility. And so it, it is, it is luck like any, and it's a miracle and it's a blessing. And it's still like so wild to call it luck when everything else hasn't felt like luck. No. And, yeah. and like, I know there's people that go 10 years before they can get pregnant again, or they never get pregnant again. Right. So it's, it feels insensitive to say 13 months because I, that was so long for me because mm. it's like you're every day. Right. But I, I understand it can always, it's just valid no matter what you go through. Right. But I always just feel like it just doesn't feel like that big of an amount of time anymore to me until I really think about living day to day for it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, it's just mind boggling. And, and to go through, like, I went through when the baby's due date would have been and didn't get pregnant yet. And then went through like a mother's day and wasn't pregnant yet and went through the anniversary of the miscarriage without being pregnant again yet, you know, and even to this day, if I, if I menstruate on that week that I miscarried, you know, this is almost six years later. Like, mm. it's like, it's like this reminder of like what that week for me was. And then to see blood, you know, like, it's just, it's just interesting, I guess. But yeah, those anniversaries never get easier. I, we just had mother's day this year and I have a living child and I still was like, gosh, this day's awful, isn't it? Isn't that wild? Like I have a beautiful living child and all I can think about is how sad I was Yeah, when that day was terrible for me. Yeah. It's, it's, you're picturing, you're just picturing what could have been, right? It's like this thing constantly will have not you, even though you can tell yourself, I'm not going to do that. It's not healthy mm -hmm. to do that. And yet you still have that mindset. I remember like unfollowing people on social media who had been pregnant at the exact same time as me with the first one, because what was happening was I'd either see pregnant belly pictures or I suddenly would see their baby be born or like have, you know, a baptism or something. Right. And then be like, Oh, that's when mine would have been. And, um, I have a nephew who's two months older than what my baby would have been. And so when we were pregnant together, it was like, Oh, how cool is this? You know, all this stuff is happening. And, and then it just didn't work out for me. Right. But you're still there for the person going through it and you're so excited and happy. And yet you're grieving this whole separate thing. It, it's just, yeah, I, I just find in general with, with miscarriage, pregnancy loss, you know, child loss with um, infertility, whatever people are going through, like it, there has to be a reason or a purpose, even though I don't necessarily agree with it. I wish I didn't have to go through it. <laughs> um, but also like, to find a way to coexist with it. Because for me, for a long time, it just knocked me on my butt or I'd miss a whole day because I was so just mourning constantly. Cause I, I almost felt like to keep his memory alive, I had to honor him. And my, my only memory of him that I could hold on to my last memory was sadness. Right. So you're like, um, 
I didn't really get to share too many moments of the happy parts. So in my mind, to hold on to that last part of him was sad. And so I think it took a long time for me to realize like, okay, I can be sad for 10 minutes and then let's make a birthday cake for him, you know, or like to kind of have it be both. Cause it was, it was such a beautiful gift to be pregnant with him when I was. That is so well said. Cause that is, yeah. So you're holding on to that sadness, even though it's hurting because it's your kid. Yeah. Mm. Which I think is why people who have lost a loved one have a hard time going back to a funeral, right? Like if you think about it, like it's like, it brings you right back to that. So, but I, I found in the last two years, especially if I can be with someone in that dark part of what they're going through, like if I can dive into that grief that they're in, it kind of peels another layer off of what I went through. Like, cause I was very alone during that. And when I look back on it, the people that I found out after that had gone through loss that I didn't know, or that maybe we didn't open up to each other, like just the support system now, even for it. Right. I just keep trying to like pour that back into people because it just doesn't have to be so lonely going through it. You know, it is, you're still, it's your experience. Only you are going through it, but like to just open up a little bit or let someone in to just text you, I'm thinking of you or, you know, like I just, I just find such a calling, I guess, to be part of that for people to, to continue on with speaking out about it or helping people or just in general checking in. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to talk about the ways that you have gone on to help so many people. Um, but real quick, I do want to know um, all this grief you were experiencing, like how did you channel it? You said you did some therapy. Yeah. So at first I just, if I'm being told, I cried for about five months straight. Yep. Um, and that is when I finally called my doctor. I, I had actually gone to, um, like Christmas Eve mass. So between the two. So right before that, I called my doctor finally because I just could not like handle my grief anymore. And my husband was worried about me and I was actually starting to get worried about me, but I kept thinking, this is normal. This is normal. Um, and after I found out someone else was pregnant again, it like put me in this tailwind of just feeling so low. And, and then I realized like, okay, this depression part that I'm going through, it's not that it's not normal. I just need to kind of find a way now to live with this too. Um, right. And so I did. I counseling, um, and then for me, it was kind of a long history of depression that I think I just thought was like normal, like teenage mood swings, um, but finding like the right medication balance for that. Um, and then, you know, I was fortunate to have kids again. So like to try to just dive into being a really good mom for them, um, which again, puts a lot of pressure on yourself because you're trying to be a perfect mom because you didn't get that opportunity with a different child. And so not everything is perfect. <laughs> just life isn't in general and neither is your kid and neither are you. And so mm -hmm. you're trying to like make everything so good. And sometimes it's not and, and just accept that like, even that isn't always true. I don't know. It's just been a lot of growth. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you and I have a very similar situation. I didn't experience the infertility that you did, but I did have the depression where I, I realized like, oh, this is really dangerous. Um, yes. And I had to seek help too. <clears throat> uh, so I'm you sorry. said something about Ma. I know, I know. So hearing your story, I'm like, oh God, oh God. I. Oh, but I'm like, sorry I'm that so you <laughs> Yes. Yes. I think the same thing about you because it's so 
bad. Like I wouldn't wish that on anyone, much less somebody as sweet as you. Like it's just so terrible. Um, but you said something about mass. And so I want to know, like, how did faith play a role in your grief? Um, so for me, it was mostly like daily prayer. Like I mm. found on motherhood and like um, trying to like, if, if this was part of the plan, which I was told all the time, right. It's part of God's plan, which, which I actually had someone like a, a while after that was just like, not like I'm calling BS on that, but kind of like God would not cause you pain. Like, like new Testament God, right. Like would not cause you this pain. Like the devil would cause something awful. Right. But God would bring you like the tools or the resources or the support that you need to heal. So like, don't feel like you're going through something awful because you know, you did this. Like I, I, I remember this is so crazy, but I remember thinking at one point I dressed up like someone pregnant on April time to be funny. Like that's not funny. And now I find that such terrible taste. Right. I don't know why I did that. I was young and stupid, but like, I remember thinking, did I have a miscarriage because I did that? Like, you know what I mean? Like where you just, you can't even like, you can't yeah. process brain goes, but you think to yourself, that was something awful that I did. Maybe someone that came into work that time went through miscarriage and here I was dressing like funny to be pregnant. Right. Like, so just weird things. Right. But you'd like tell yourself like it happened for a reason. But once I had that mentality that like God would not put me through something awful, I didn't do something to deserve it. Um, I was able to accept my faith in a different way. And so when I would pray about it or when I would go to mass, it would be more so like, what can I learn from this now? Like what person around me, can I focus on someone that's being a really sweet mom to their kids? You know, and you'd see someone with their arm around them in a pew and like kind of scratching their back or like, you know, focus on that because I can learn from other moms right now when my time comes how to be a really sweet mom or attentive mom or don't do that. <laughs> don't do maybe what that person's doing or, um, I don't know. I, I really felt my faith. It didn't always grow. It changed a lot, but in so many ways, when I think back to kind of my naive mindset before going through loss, like it humbled me. Like I can't choose the way that my path goes. Like I thought, Ooh, I met Andy. I got to do, you know, have all these wonderful things and we have this great life together. And then like a lot of things were taken right when we lost our baby. And so I could just kind of realize, yeah, I don't have a saying this. My faith is bigger than me and there will be something down the road that this is, meant to have like that I was meant to go through this right like there's a purpose and um for a long time I felt like my purpose was maybe to just be able to talk to people about what they were going through in an open way like it didn't matter they could talk to me about any questions they had anything that they thought would be uncomfortable or TMI it was not for me I didn't care like it's just my body <laughs> like how I can help you I will help you um and so my faith really I feel like helped use me as a vessel for other people going through it and I don't know that I would have had the openness after going through the loss that I had if I didn't keep my faith strong. But I know everyone's on different scales even with that. Like, I, I think there's something internal that either you fight to kind of keep going with it or, you know, for me, that's my faith. Mm, that's very transformative. And I think we see that in trauma, right? We see trauma is transformation. Um, and it does it does transform your faith. Uh, so with that, you also have gone on to or, to honor Theodore in so many ways. So can you talk about the books that you've written? Yeah, so um, the first one that I wrote actually was my children's book, but I did not think I could illustrate it. So I just kind of left that sit on the back bar. Um, and then 
I wrote um, poetry about going through loss, going through um, my mental health kind of ups and downs. And then the infertility is kind of written in there. And then I talk about um, pregnancy after and parenting after and kind of the full circle of everything. Um, I honor my son in it quite a bit just by talking about him or referencing him if I was having a hard moment and like would pray to him or something like that. Um, And then just poems kind of in there even about like what his first birthday in heaven would have been like, or I don't know, just the whole experience, right? It's so hard to go through. And, and I remember when I was writing it, some of the poems I'd just written over the time of going through it. And then some of them, when I kind of realized, Hey, like I should get serious maybe about actually turning this into something. I just sat down and was like, yep, I need to just dive in and just whatever. I can't miss any topic of what this all was for us. And so I really tried to pour my heart into every intricate little part about it to kind of help people get through it. So, um, you know, part of the dedication for the book is, is my son. So I call him my angel. Um, my daughter is my rainbow. She was my rainbow baby after going through it. And then, um, my son, I always say is like sunshine. He's just a very sweet, happy boy. But, um, when I did the children's book, I finally just kind of thought, okay, can I illustrate this? Like I loved drawing with charcoal and doing real life things. I've never really done cartoony things before. And so, um, this kind of ties into not like a premonition, but like something that I realized like this has to be something, right? Just like with my poetry when I'd sit down and just all of a sudden like 15 poems would come out of me where I'm like, I need to write about this. And, this, and then I look and I'm like, I don't even feel like I wrote those. It was almost like the Holy Spirit was moving through me, right? Like this weird feeling. And when I would read them, I'm like, that's exactly what I wanted to say. So I remember waking up one morning and I had this thought, like, what if I had a little kid building a little, little sand castle out of clouds in heaven? And so instead of it being sand, it's clouds. And I just pictured my son up there just having a ball, like building cloud castles and riding his little tricycle on heaven's streets and um, and little friends that he met that are little angels too. And, you know, little boys, little girls, little babies, um, other angels holding their hand while they walk to the playground. And, you know, I just um, wanted to honor him in like a physical presence and so that anybody who's going through it, if they couldn't quite physically put a picture of what they were going through into words or anything like that, that they could kind of have that to look at. So that was, that's my favorite tribute to him because the book I illustrated and what I think he would look like. I've got to buy one of those because I have like chills all over my body. This is what I want for my baby too, is to be friends with yours. And I think they are, I really believe that. I think that's how this works. Um, they're pushing each other on the swing. Yeah. They're not getting into trouble. <laughs> a little bit, maybe, but not bad. <laughs> um, no, but, um, I just, I do, I always say like, I hope I don't embarrass my baby. <laughs> like when I do something silly, I'm like, oh no, they're going to be so embarrassed. Come on, mom. <laughs> I always feel like that's his gender wrong. Like if he's a girl someday and I'm like, oops, sorry, bud. Like, yeah, we, we didn't know. Um, that's so funny. Yeah, I it's it's crazy though because I have found comfort. I don't know if the people on the receiving end find comfort, but like if I have someone that I know that's going through a miscarriage or a loss, um, I do tell them that I'm praying to my son to meet the baby up in heaven, like so that they can have like an older buddy to kind of keep an eye if they're okay. And I don't know, I feel comfort in that that somehow my child is welcoming people in. But um, I love but that. Yeah. I love it. Uh, okay, so 
how can people order these books? And okay, wait, what are the books called? What's your poetry book called? Uh, well, the poetry book is called Rearranged um, by obviously Kirsten Hoppensberger. And then the children's book is called I Love You From Heaven. I Love You From there- Heaven. Yep, I, I self-published through Amazon. And so um, I have a website, um, www.kirstenhopfinsberger.com. And that has links to order to if people, you know, don't want to search it on Amazon. Um, okay. But that's, yep. Okay, cool. So in the show notes, guys, you will see a link to her website and you will see a link to her books on Amazon. Um, and then if you are also want to make it easier and find us on Instagram, um, we're going to link to her stuff on there as well. Um, are you on social media? Can people follow you? I am. Yep. I'm on um, Instagram, TikTok, and um, Facebook. Yep. Okay, I have a page. The trifecta. She the trifecta. is on it all. She is on it. That is brilliant. Okay, Kristen, before we hang up though, we have to know, is there a generic or a cliche phrase that really bugs you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. There's like when people say, obviously I kind of touched on this before when people say um, it's all part of God's plan. Right. And that's what I said before. Like, it's not, I mean, I think the support that comes after and the healing is, but you know what I mean? Um, But another one is when people say, just don't worry about it. It'll happen. Like I was told that so many times. um, And I just don't, I just disagree. If people actually knew what someone's going through when they're trying to plan pregnancy or trying to, have your fertile window be met and like you know it's it's so much that you're trying to tackle and I just think instead of saying just don't worry about it so much it'll happen or everything happens for a reason all these things just say I'm here for you that has to be so difficult to go through let me know how I can how I can help you you know or I want you to know I'm here to support you like I think if people could just retrain how they talk to other people going through loss or going through infertility like there's so much change that can happen just by changing that one little phrase yeah, I could not agree more. I could not agree more. Um, it's, oh, we're going to change it, Kirsten. We're going to change it. Me and you, girl. <laughs> we're going to work on it. I think we can. I just think it's <laughs> listeners, right? To, to kind of yeah. everyone just help to just shift how they talk about things. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you guys, um, we're so grateful for Kirsten for joining us. Um, we can remember little Theo and heaven. Um, and Kirsten, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. This has been another episode of the love and loss podcast. If you'd like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. As always, be sure to rate us on Apple and Spotify.